It's fall, guys. It's October. It is October. Who is getting into the spooky season? Maddie, have you done anything to get into the spooky season? Um, not too much, but yesterday I brought out my spooky cookie jar. So I'm, I'm <gasps> the pretty The cat sick. one? Yeah. The glow-in-the-dark cat one. I love that yeah. one. Yeah. I like how it took us a really long time to figure out it was glow-in-the-dark. Thanks, Grandma. Grandma. she gave it to me yes. I loved when it when Maddie and I lived together it was out it was out year round so every time was spooky time also I may or may not have stolen a small little pumpkin from a table in Napa and brought it home on the plane so that's in my life at least you have more spookiness in your life Ex- exactly what about you, Erin? You got any spookiness in your life? Luckily, I have a roommate who likes to decorate for spooky season. Ooh. Yeah. So she's been putting up um, little, like, Halloween figurines and, like, some spooky lights and stuff that are, like, skeleton-shaped. Ooh. Oh. You should send me some pictures. That sounds cool. I should. I should. I will. It is very cute. And uh, let's see. When I saw my partner this past week and he got a pumpkin spice latte. So... <laughs> He was getting this spooky Sounds season. very on brand. Did he get almond or oat milk in his pumpkin spice latte? Almond. Okay. And then he made me get oat milk in my regular latte so that he could drink some of it. That's fair. Dude, oat milk lattes are life. Oh my gosh, so yeah. Expensive. Yes. In case people don't know, um, this is totally off topic, but not totally off topic. Aaron and I will be spending Halloween together. Halloween weekend together. Technically... Halloween's no, dude, Halloween's on. on oh, Halloween's shit. On a, it's on a Monday. It's on a Monday. Yeah, I Gosh. leave the Sunday before. Well, can you stay an extra day so that what I said can be real? No, I guess you've just lied to all of our listeners. Ruining your reputation. Our reputation. Sorry. Though, we are barely literate, so I guess it's on brand. We just no can't read a calendar. Oh, that's fair. So what's our topic for today? Our topic was getting into the the spookiness of the spooky season. So we have two (laughs) horror books today. Um, We thought about doing some more like cutesy ones or just like Halloween-y books in general, but we... No, we picked two weird-ass books. (laughs) Yes, two very legit horror novels that are spooky and weird. I don't know how how this happened I really don't I think we like had like brought up oh we could read like the x-hex and we're both like mm, fuck no <laughs> I know like one of them just would have been like the cutesy one like the it's like actually Halloween in the book or something like that but no what are right. what are we reading like wholesome today? we really should have wholesome um we are reading <laughs> the silence of the lambs by Thomas Harris and the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Yes. And my cat's making out with me right now. She was. Oh, God, you're so needy, Silva. Yeah, she's oh all up in the camera right now. Can't even, I haven't seen Maddie for the past five minutes because Selva is just needing all of the attention. Hey, she's an orange cat, so she kind of fits the season. Aren't those black cats, though? Okay, well, second best is an orange cat. I, I agree. She, she fits the Halloween vibe. Okay, now she's being adorable. She's sleeping on the keyboard. Her MO. That's, yeah, classic cat behavior. All right. So, Silence of the Lambs. Ratings. 4.23 stars and 518,000 people reviewed it. That's a ton. It is a ton. It is also a disclaimer, the second book in the Hannibal Lecter series. Yes. Um, and it's funny. In my research today, I realized that the first book also has a movie, a movie adaptation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I didn't know that. I saw that it just, too. Yeah, it, it flopped. flopped a lot harder. God, did we like look up the same shit? Yes, I probably. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least we covered our bases. We're doing proper research. Um, do you want to tell us what it's about? Sure. So there's a serial murderer on the loose with the name of Buffalo Bill, and he is skinning women that he is stalking. Um, And so we have Clarice Starling, who is a trainee with the FBI Academy in D.C., 
And she is asked by Jack Crawford, who is the chief of the Bureau's behavior science section to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who is currently at the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Lecter is a former psychiatrist and an incredibly intelligent and creepy man. He is also a serial killer who ate his victims. Gross. Yes. Hence the name uh, Hannibal the Cannibal. The yeah. nickname. So I know you guys have probably never heard of, you know, Silence of the Lambs, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an oldie, but we're, we're going way back for it. You know, the 80s. I mean, no, I'm, I mean, everyone's heard of it. What? <laughs> I know. I was taking your joke and running with it. Oh, okay. I feel like he ran a different course but that's okay. Sometimes we're not on the same page. We try really hard though. Yeah. We try to have that like telepathic signal, but we never, ever have it. Yeah. Yeah. We try to banter and then we're both just confused at the end and we're like, huh, that did work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did you think? But yeah, so it is the second book in the series. The first one is Red Dragon. Yeah. Just, that was my little disclaimer. And everyone is freaking watch the silence of the lambs movie it's a major like academy award winning film. i haven't seen it actually no you fell asleep during it but that's just a you issue you know of it you attempted it yeah yeah i attempted it and then i fell asleep during the very beginning so so uh, i don't really know what to what to classify that one as in an attempt a failure Yeah, I kind of failed. Um, But it made it so that I was extremely surprised at all the plot points throughout. Really? Yeah. I was not. (laughs) I knew of some spoilers, um, or not spoilers, but like the skidding of the victims that happens in the first like 10%. um, I knew that was going to happen because of just like cultural spoilers, if you will, like in the office when Dwight, you know, skins the CPR dummy. Yeah. The whole story is kind of iconic, you know? So, yeah. It comes yeah, yeah. Out. Like, everybody knows who Hannibal is. Yeah. I didn't know how, like, Buffalo Bill, like, chose his victims, though. I never figured out, like, why he was skinning them. Like, everything was a big, like, shock to me. Yeah, I also didn't really know the details too much because I think when I watched Silence of the Lambs, I was, like, 13. Oh, my and God. I was, like... I was, I was going through like a phase where I just thought it was like so cool to read Stephen King novels and to be, this is like, you know, the beginning of my emo phase. And oh, I'm sure that, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I told everyone this was my favorite movie, even though like, that's weird. I mean, that but is like a just because it was that, weird, yeah. you know, like it was like me, like just like seeking out things that were not normal, you know, mm-hmm. being a teenager. You did pick a very classic movie to- at least you didn't pick a bad movie. That's true. But yeah, but I wouldn't because like, that's not who I was. I couldn't have people think that I was picking a bad movie either. Yeah, that's true. Insight into my, my, my psyche. We need a Hannibal Lecter to psychoanalyze you. Ooh, I think, I think he would start crying. You think? Oh my God, imagine. <laughs> what did, what did you think of uh, Dr. Lecter? Dr. Lecter? I thought he was a hottie with a body. And there's Maddie's taste in men. <laughs> no one wants to meet her partner. That's for sure. Oh my god. Um, I liked him as a character. I mean, he's pretty freaking unique, you know? Yeah. Psychoanalyzing Clarice, but also being somewhat helpful. He's a good, like, what do they call, like, villains who aren't all bad? morally gray well no he's he's fucked up like he's not morally gray his soul he's is just, black but he does his soul is black but he has like two redeeming qualities yeah yeah one being nope i don't think he does he has an ulterior motive though so yeah i mean he's kind of a he's got a very strong view of like social courtesy maybe he's courteous or like a gentleman I'm thinking of specifically that one scene where at the very beginning where Miggs showered Clarice. Miggs was another inmate at the uh, Baltimore like insane asylum. Yeah, yeah. Just for some, some background. He's a, a sexual predator, I want to say. Hannibal Lecter's response to that was like, wow, that was very, I hate when you like 
disrespect people or something like that. And so he had a very nuclear response. Yeah, but um, it's coming from Hannibal Lecter. The, the nuclear response level? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, here we are. Here's Hannibal. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Caring I think about to go people. off of that, I enjoyed that they didn't make him a straight up villain who like, he was, but he didn't like enjoy that or like, you couldn't yeah, put him into a box of the FBI Bureau of Behavioral Science questionnaire. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah, I liked them like continuously repeating it too. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was, I guess, trying to form into words with me being like, oh, is he morally gray? Like, how do you define him? Like, he's a villain, but he's not the full villain, which I think is very important when somebody's writing. Yeah, they gave some complexity to his character that I really liked. Yeah, so like Tom Harris is a bit of a genius. This book is considered like a modern classic for forensic crime novels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is like written in 1988, I, I believe. think it was 88. Yeah, and that's like the era where we have like Ted Bundy and criminal profiling. And so he was able to, you know, put a lot of that into the book mm-hmm. in a time period where it was relevant. Yeah. Um, which I thought was, was pretty cool. And him working with the FBI, I saw that it was, I was like doing some research that was similar to how Ted Bundy was also helping police catch another serial killer while he was locked up. And that was the Green River killer. So I was like, you know, oh, it's like pulling in like relevant situations that are actually happening in that time period. So I was like, mm-hmm. I also thought it was funny that, um, cause you know, during that time period is like you were just saying when serial killers kind of became popular or like they're well known I guess or there was like a lot of them and then like the behavioral science team kind of came from that to where they're trying to catch them through understanding them yes um and so you could see that at the beginning of this book the reason Clarice went to interview you know Hannibal Lecter is to get him to fill out this questionnaire in order to get into his mind and figure out why he did what he did you know, to very scientifically figure out the personality traits of a serial murderer. It was just so funny to me that they would try and do that to him because he's a former psychiatrist that is incredibly intelligent. What did they think would happen when they put a, a questionnaire in front of him on why he does what he does? Yeah, I honestly kind of felt like that whole the whole questionnaire thing was a little stupid because like what, after like the first visit, it's like never brought up again. Like it's yeah. never used again. It's never brought up again. It's more of like the excuse to go see him in the first place. And, but I think we know it's an excuse. We know that um, Jack Crawford, that he wants Hannibal Lecter's help. I think he knows from like the get-go that he's going to need his help. And so I think he uses it as an excuse to go and have um, Clarice talk to him. Yeah. And then there's too much history between him and Hannibal. So that's why I think he can't, you know, be the one to, to do it. Yeah. And also Clarice is a woman. Yes. I was going to say that, but I was like, I don't know. Do I say that? <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I don't know. Serial killers let down their guard more around women. That, that's very true. Or just they feel more emotions towards them or something. Usually it's hate and rage. And that's, you know, why a lot of women die in their presence. But Yeah. What was your thought of Clarice? Was- um, I actually really liked her. I was worried when they first introduced her that they were going to make her too infatuated with Dr. Lecter or like fall under his spell more or be like, I need to go see him because I'm the only one that can get this information out of him or something like that and just lose. Mm -hmm. And he was going to manipulate her. Um, But I think she did a really good job of keeping her head and staying intelligent. And then she got really devoted to the case of like solving Buffalo Bill. And like once she got in the middle of that, I, I really liked her as a character. I agree. She's the underdog and she's intelligent, but I don't think she's too intelligent because she doesn't always know what she's doing but she also recognizes that and I don't think we see that with a lot of main characters like she's making mistakes yeah and like she's like and I thought that was really realistic because like you know she is in the training academy right now so you can't expect her to be perfect and I think Thomas Harris did a really good job of doing that having her education level be where it should be or like how he wrote her. I definitely agree. And her her past was was really interesting. At some point it was like, I was super intrigued by it, but it was really weird. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it being weird made it 
okay that it existed. I don't know if that makes any sense, but there, there's things that are like, so like it was specific. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think if we would have gotten like a really boring backstory, a really cliche backstory, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, that's um, the thing, the cliche part. It was not cliche. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't cliche, but it wasn't too over the top to where I was like, all right, like, yeah, this is unrealistic. Come on. So yeah, I, I thought this was just a really clever book in general. Like I thought the plot made a lot of sense. I thought all the characters, they all worked together well and like the development of mostly Clarice, but I think Jack Crawford had some development as well. Yeah, but I think less so. But I think since we're reading the second book, I think his forefront book was the first one based yeah. off of like the context that I'm picking up. Yeah. Do you plan on reading the first one? Probably not. I do. I have it from the library. Hot take. Hot, hot take. take. Yeah, I know. I'm going a little off the rails with this reading order, but. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably um, won't. I don't know why. I'm just. I mean, it is a self-contained story. I don't think we missed anything jumping into the second one. And I don't feel a need to go into the third one, like, right away. Like, there's no cliffhanger. There's no loose ends for the most part, you know? Yeah. I also liked, um, so the book was, like, split up into really short chapters, which were, I don't know, my attention's always greater (laughs) spent on, like, short chapters. And we also got an insight into Buffalo Bill's mind from, like, Almost the very, not the very beginning, but towards the beginning of the book. And, and also his victim. Yeah. So we got a lot of perspectives, which I don't think you usually get. And a lot of times it's almost like a whodunit. And in this case, you know what's happening. You just need somebody to come in and make it stop happening kind of thing. Yeah. Or like, like stop it before it's too late. Yeah. I really love that too. Um, I think we kind of saw something like that in the guest list um where like you kind of know the end you don't know the end but what am I trying to get you at? know what happens yeah but yeah. in this one you you don't know what happens yes all the puzzle pieces just have to get put together watching them all fall together was really interesting yes it's like you're given given all the moving parts and you have to puzzle them together to see what actually happens I think I followed along with the characters as they were going like I puzzled it out with them I don't think I was ever too far ahead of them or too far behind them yeah that makes sense too I want to say it was very fast paced which yes which is good (laughs) yes I've come to realize that I don't I have a really hard time with slow building books or like pacing Mm -hmm. that's off I think it'll it'll immediately kill a writing for me but I think this one was the pacing was pretty spot on. Like every scene was necessary. Every scene either gave us information or built tension or suspense. Yeah, it definitely did. And I think the fact that we were switching perspectives, but it wasn't, it was never mm. too much. Um, also helped with that a lot by keeping everything going. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of the times my complaint with switching perspectives is you always like one more than the other. But I think in this case, I, I don't think I did. I don't think I had a preference. I was always happy to be in the mind and out of the mind and like learning different things because there was a bunch of different storylines. Yeah. That is very true. It's like, why wouldn't you want to hear from Clarice or Hannibal or Buffalo Bill or the victim? Because there's so much happening in all of their lives. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what it was. Yeah. I think Jack was probably the, the least exciting, but even that I was fine with. He was also like, yeah. I think had the smallest central chapters I feel like the amount of his perspectives was proportional to how much he was in the book yeah which is how it should be you know (laughs) yeah um since I've never seen the movie what'd you think of the movie book comparison uh yeah so the movie I really liked the movie clearly since it was like my favorite movie when I was 14 years old um every creepy element of Hannibal and Buffalo Bill were like heightened in the movie which is really cool um I did not like Clarice in the movie very much they I think they, they cast her wrong sorry Judy Jodie Fo- I don't I don't oh, know yeah yeah 
sorry, girl, but you just don't really fit the bill. Oh, was that a pun? (laughs) (laughs) Buffalo Bill. Yeah. But I mean, she wasn't like bad, but it was just, it felt like two different characters, like movie versus book for that. Mm -hmm. She was much more like quiet and I guess I feel like more reserved in the movie than in the book. I think I read a review where someone, most reviews on Goodreads were comparing the book and the movie. I was like, come on, people. Like, I just want a review of the book. Um, but I think someone called her a pushover. Would you, oh. <laughs> is, that, is that a proper word for yeah, yeah, the yeah, movie? Yeah. Okay. But it was, yeah, I really liked the movie a lot. Okay. Do you have a preference? Which one do you like better? <laughs> I wrote this. <laughs> the idea is genius and cool and interesting, but the movie is better. And I said, or is it? <laughs> oh my God. So you said nothing. So <laughs> you said maybe. Basically what I just said is kind of summarized with what I wanted to say, where the creepiness really came through in the movie. The casting was really good. And then I said, I liked the book Clories better. I, I summed it up. I will say, if you've seen the movie, I don't think you need to read the book. If that makes any sense. If I've read the book, should I rewatch the movie though? Probably. Okay. I don't know. Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> you ask me questions that are always, I like don't have a straight answer because I don't feel a specific way mm-hmm. and I'm like caught in the middle. I kind of like that you don't have it though. Cause that kind of tells me like both the book and the movie have merit. Like one is not spectacularly better <laughs> than the other. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd read and watch both of them. Yeah. You know, okay. So the book was written in the 80s right and there are things that are progressive about it but there are some things that are not and so I'm gonna fully disclaim some things yes um so the book is like the trans community it's not represented in the book but it's like touched upon in the book in the book they talk about how Buffalo Bill is not part of the transgender community Mm -hmm. and so a lot of what he's doing should not be like looked at a certain way or anything. He's they're very careful with that language. Yes, put you know on the outside, like no one there. They do not associate with him or what he's doing. But the movie glosses over it, and in doing that, it's like a lot of people have had issues and think that it dis- discredits the trans community because the book proves that he was never you know a part of it to begin yeah. with. Um, we do love seeing, you know, a woman in the FBI. That was really cool. Thank you, Thomas Harris, you know. And, and he her- wrote her well. And he so, wrote her well. Yeah. Um, I will say there was some uh, body shaming. Okay, yep. That was my next point. Fat <laughs> shaming. I'm like, come on. And did you read somebody's Goodreads reviews that calculated? Um, it talked about a woman who was six feet tall and 165 pounds Mm -hmm. and was calling her fat and like that is like I think underweight for like six feet tall or something yeah yeah he could have gotten away without using numbers or like if he would have used like put a like a weight to a height he should have researched a lot more because that's like that's horrible he was body shaming besides putting like a weight to a height I was not a fan of that yeah no that was the main thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, he's doing so well with not like dating this book or like it could be like doing okay. And then like that stuff came up and I was like, God, Thomas, come on. In general, I did like the fact that it was set in 1988. For some reason, I don't like an abundance of technology in my books. And so just like hearing the fact of like they had to take fingerprints and like manually oh, yeah. put it in the system and fax it to places. So I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. I would have liked that more than, I don't know. They ran fingerprints and ran them immediately. Got no hits in a week or something. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. I think in general, I don't like horror or mysteries with a lot of added technology. Yes. Because it just makes things like not as believable. It's like, you don't want to be like a haunted house and have access to like 20 different computers. (laughs) I always get turned off during horror movie trailers when I see that like, the main character is on like a FaceTime call or getting like iPhone messages during it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's usually how like, I don't 
know, the villain is introduced or something like that. And I'm just like, nope, no thanks. I don't want to watch that. I can't think of like a modern horror movie that I've liked. I also don't go out of my way to watch a lot of. Um, That's fair. I also never saw the really popular one with the clown, the balloons. What's that? It, yes. Oh my God. I like, it's so funny you mentioned that. I went to a nursing home when I was like 10. I was playing like cards or something with an older woman there. And I didn't know it at the time, but they were playing it in the nursing home in the <laughs> senior living community. I was like, and I'm Maybe like, they want to watch it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's totally fine. But I'm like, you know, I'm the outsider walking and I'm 10 years old and like it is playing in the background and I see it and I'm like getting traumatized. <laughs> yeah. I'm like watching the movie. Cause I'm like holding my cards and like staring at the screen. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so scary. Speaking of horror this will be really quick blurb um I had a dream last night that I was pregnant but it was only because I woke up and I had to pee so bad so I think like my stomach was like out in the dream and I was like oh my god I can't believe I'm something pregnant. needs to get out of me <laughs> it was the baby daddy um of your we urine of my urine okay. <laughs> and we were seniors in college so we're like, oh, the baby will be, it'll, will be graduated. <laughs> it'll get a degree. It'll get a degree. Anyway, thanks for coming into my horror story. Oh, wait, no. What'd you rate the book? What'd you rate the book? I rated it um, uh, between four and four and a half stars. Holy shit. I really liked it. Holy shit. God. I really liked it. Probably closer to a four, but I really liked it. Holy shit. Aaron rates a book a four or higher on this podcast. Well, you did rate Felix Ever After pretty high, so. Yeah. This is yeah. what I rated it. I, I mean, I could have been in an angry mood, but I rated it a three and a half. I mean, that's not that far off for mine. I was expecting No, it's not, to... but usually we have opposite. That's true. That's true. I was expecting you to be a three, actually. Um. This is really interesting. Can you like talk a little bit about why you thought I would rate it like that? Um, you don't seek out this type of book often. Um, I didn't think it was going to be one of your like high rated genres. And like three is kind of your bucket for like, it was good, but like, <laughs> I don't know. You're not going to read the first book or the third book. So I was like, oh, that sounds like a three yeah yeah I think you're pretty spot on with my opinion about it but I mean I did rate it a three and a half I thought like there were so many really intelligent aspects mm-hmm. but it didn't like wow me yeah I think I knew that you would rate it higher so how do you know that because I know what you like that's so true you need to start just recommending me books because I can't figure out what I like Aaron what's our second book uh, the Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Do you want to hear about it? It's about? No. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. I'm going to tell you anyway. Maddie, okay, cool. okay. So this book follows four American Indian men after they experienced a traumatic event during their youth that involved an elk. They're being stalked by an entity seeking revenge for what happened during the men's youth. Some of them are still running from their past, while others have not moved a muscle from their hometown. So... I, th- I think most of the, the plot has to be a little secretive to this book. I think it's better to go in blind um, as compared to like, yeah, the Silence of the Lambs where you can give like a pretty good <laughs> synopsis and like talk about it for a while. But this one is. Yeah, it's weirder if you know you don't know a lot of things. So that's just something we'll preface. I said like even the synopsis is pretty big too, which I liked. Yeah, yeah. The synopsis both they might actually be the same but like on goodreads and in the front cover is like three sentences and like two of them are like seamlessly blending classic horror and a dramatic narrative with sharp social commentary like (laughs) i don't know if that's exactly a synopsis but i saw even in like about the book like a secondary like little bit in goodreads was like just saying it was similar to two different books and i was like this is not the synopsis I know. And then it was like, that's it. I'm like, oh, oh, we are getting a one sentence synopsis. I, I have no idea what I can say about this book. Yeah, I will say <laughs> I went it. I went to this book pretty blind. It does have 3.72 stars with 52,000 ratings. 
So a little lesser known book than Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> but yeah. still pretty popular. It is still pretty popular. I'm. It's so popular, in fact, that my brother's girlfriend was also reading it at the same time that I was reading it while we were on a trip. <laughs> that's so... And we both at the time frame had, she had read 11 pages and I had read half a page. So <laughs> that's such a coincidence. Oh my goodness. Well, what'd you think of it? I guess as much as you can say without, cause like you were saying how going into it blind really helped you. Yeah. I mean, I can get, I'll give like some, but I just mm-hmm. don't want to give away like the really creepy stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because that was like, I think the most shocking. I was pretty shook by it. So I, I, after only reading half a page while I was on like a family combined vacation, I read like 40% of it or 50% of it on my way on my flights like home. And I was like, it was weird. First of all, my Mm -hmm. initial impressions were this is a weird book. This is a creepy book. Not like creepy in the normal sense, creepy in the the aspects that, uh, what's his name, Stephen? Yeah. The aspects that he included were things, like he made everyday things freaking creepy. Like a ceiling fan? Like a ceiling fan. Yeah. Yeah. I never noticed that, but I think, yeah, you're definitely right. Huh. That's some talented writing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not what I was expecting at all mm-hmm. for background. So it is an indigenous book and the tribes that were represented are the Blackfoot and the Crow tribes. So just some background. Pretty cool. The four main men were from the Blackfoot tribe. Blackfoot. There was yeah. one yeah, Native American woman that was from the Crow tribe. Yep. Yeah. I thought the book was super unique. Um, it's like you're reading off my notes <laughs> like everything you're saying right now I'm just like I was like yeah the creepiness and like it's such a unique novel I'm like okay yeah so I mean quite literally I've never ever read anything in the realm of this book it was weird it was creepy there were things that made no sense and I kind of liked that but it follows four Native American men from the Blackfoot tribe as Aaron had said. And the book is also split up into different parts, kind of associated and centers around different people. Mm-hmm. There's Ricky at the beginning. He left the reservation and he's like working and he's on his way to Minnesota actually to make a living. Yeah. Um, and then there's Lewis Clark. He left the reservation a while ago and he's married to a white woman named Peta. And I literally read her name as Petra for like the first 50 pages until he explicitly expa- explained like the origin of her name. And then I was well, like, wait a minute, it's not Petra. <laughs> we love when they give you a helping hand. Right? No, like literally they did. Yeah. They're like, mm, it's not Petra. Because <laughs> they're because like, the white like people her- need some help. Exactly. Well, she's white, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Well, cause her name was, her dad's name was what, like Peter. And they wanted like, they thought she was going to be a boy and they wanted to name her after him. But they're like, oh, Pita is good. <laughs> it's so, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. A little, little anecdote. My mom has five brothers, but she's the one that's named after my grandpa. And she's not the first kid either. She's like second to last or something like that. They waited <laughs> until they had a girl in order to name it, name the child after my grandpa. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing about your family. <laughs> Yeah, my, my grandpa's name is Patrick. My mom's name is Patricia, in case anyone's curious. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amy is quirky. Right? It's right? different. Not everybody can say that. I mean, yeah, they do. Everyone, I mean, everyone's name in my family is super basic, but the, the origin behind the name is unique. That's weird. Oh. So anyway. Peta's husband, so she's not the she's not one of the main characters, even though, like, you know, <laughs> we've been talking about her. Yeah. Um, her husband, so yeah, Lewis Clark, he he's a bit insecure in his marriage. Yeah. Based off of what we're because we we're reading from his perspective. And he's secure but insecure, is how I want to say it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He never really let go of or like how long have they been married? Ten years at that point? Yeah. That's and a long still, time. <laughs> that's a long yeah, no. And like every single time his wife was mentioned, I feel like he mentioned the fact that like she was white and he was native and I'm like y'all have been married 10 years and you're thinking about this every time you talk about her and think about her I was like okay hey big deal yeah 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 I definitely noticed that. <laughs> yeah and then towards like the end of the book we hear from Cassidy who is still at the Blackfoot reservation and he's found a woman he really loves on the reservation named Jolene <laughs> and then there's Gabe and then there's Gabe <laughs> I mean we have a Gabe in our friend group and that's kind of how we feel about him too. And then there's Gabe. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. Love you, Gabe. It's a, it's a group of four, too, so. We're all Spoiler! Aaron just yeah, ruined the entirety of the book. Anyway, sorry, guys. So, Gabe, he's also still at the reservation. He is a drunk. And he has a daughter named Denora. So that's kind of fun. I liked her. I liked her as a character. Yeah. Um, I feel like they don't do a lot of, like, strong passionate like ambitious young women because i think she's what like 10 something like that no she's in high school hmm. i thought you're probably right i kids <laughs> they go over my head i have no idea but anyway she's still like a young female person yeah i want to say she was like 16 yeah because like so this one of the weird things about this book was how big of a role basketball played <laughs> just whooped and I actually wrote on here. I, w- I said I was listening to the audiobook in the car since we were driving back from um, our hell of a plane ride trip. And I was like, what? You're reading a basketball book? I'm like, nope. I want to say I read, I feel like I read like an own voices review. And they mentioned that basketball was big in the Native American community. Well, that's very cool. But, but this was incorporate that then. Yeah, this was this was one review on Goodreads, so I don't know if she was just talking about her own. I I don't know anything about the sports that Native Americans play. Yeah, if you don't know, we're white women, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if if that's the truth, that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because Stephen Stephen Graham Jones, like he really put a lot of Native American culture into this book. Like I feel like every single page had. It was just like enriched in like traditions or like going through like the struggles of modern uh, Native American people, like holding on to like tradition versus modern day and I don't know, battling between how much to hold on to either of them. Um, yeah. And so it would not surprise me at all if basketball was popular on reservations. I thought it was very interesting. Do you remember that one part where Denora drew a picture? Um, the teacher asked for like, oh, a picture of something you're passionate about. And she drew a picture of herself playing basketball and the teacher was like oh you didn't draw anything like from your heritage oh, I yeah the exact phrasing like you should have drawn something more to your heritage just like let the girl do what she wants I don't know yeah yeah I know but yeah there was like so many little things that I would have never thought to include in a book like one of the things that really like stands out to me is uh Lewis Clark is sitting in his kitchen and he's eating his like food over the sink Cause he's like, I'm a good husband. <laughs> I don't like, you know, I don't want to yeah. make a mess. And I just thought that was so random, but so funny. And like, oh my gosh, you could definitely tell that Stephen Graham Jones has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was it was very unique, and there's very really like cool little little snippets. But yeah, some like basketball and like Denora. So like the whole reason why I was saying that she is 16 was because she's playing it like varsity as a high schooler and her I think it was her sister or like somebody she knew was in college she got like a scholarship to go play basketball and that's like what Denora wanted to do because a lot of these people don't have a ton of money coming from the reservation and that's kind of one of their chances to make it big you Mm -hmm. know so that that that's where that came from but yes basketball is frequently mentioned and plays a huge role in a lot of the plot like the plot of a horror movie Think about that. Not movie. Horror novel. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I f- yeah. I feel like Steven, he he did some he did some fun things. Cause like ceiling fan was pretty big in the plot. Basketball was pretty big in the plot. Um look at me representing. It's basketball. Oh my god, it is basketball. Maddie's beer mug has a basketball hoop um and a basketball on it. That's cool. What 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 oh maybe you don't want to say what brewery. Yeah, um, maybe not. Then they'll know what city I live in. Yeah. It's a city with beer. Find it. <laughs> Way to go, narrowing it down. <laughs> yeah. And I did love how, like, because we were talking about, like, the Native American culture. And I really liked how, like, all four of the men kind of had different levels of relation to their culture. Yeah. Because I think Ricky, I think Ricky had the least, right? Or was it Lewis? We didn't really see a lot of Ricky. And so it's hard to. Yeah. I mean, like, from that, I want to say we had the least from Ricky because I do think Lewis. Like, he talked about, like, his um, blanket from the reservation and how he, like, hung it at his house. And then he also, you know, there was a girl, one of his coworkers who was from the Crow um, mm-hmm. tribe. He felt a connection to her and wanted to talk to her because she could 
get where he was coming from in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. so I think he held on more, whereas Ricky was straight up running to Minneapolis. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I want to run. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to run to Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just thought it was very interesting on like the different relationships that the four men had with their like culture and traditions, but also I don't want to say the modern day, but like life outside the reservation, maybe. Yeah, I feel like it's a very 21st century indigenous novel that's mm-hmm. like can be representative of like the U.S. and that experience. Yeah, because it's yeah. what is it? Wyoming, right? Montana or Wyoming? It's one of those two states where they're from. I want to say Wyoming. I'm not. I want to say Wyoming too. Try Google. I think Lewis Clark oh, wait. is in Montana. The Blackfeet Nation, one of the largest Native American tribes in the U.S., resides on a 1.5 million acre reservation in northwest Montana. Oh, they are in Montana. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good memory, Donnie. Thanks. Well, I think they definitely mentioned Wyoming, though. <laughs> they also mentioned North Dakota. Um, no. I was geographically lost during this novel. I was trying to keep up with the plot and the creepiness and the trying to figure out what the heck was happening. <laughs> I think it's also my first Native American centered book. Like there's always, there's been aspects in other books I've read. Dare I say Twilight? I'm sorry that I just mentioned that. <laughs> I feel bad saying that. There, but... I've never read Twilight, so I have no idea. <gasps> You've never read Twilight? No. Should we review Twilight on this? There's, there's the great three that people talk about. Harry Potter, Twilight, mm-hmm. and the Mortal Instruments. Those are the great three. Yeah. I got two out of three. Why I got, I'm one away or like one and a third away from three out of three. One. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm on book five of the moral instruments. Oh, I haven't read it, all It's a of grind. Them. That's all I have to say. It's a grind. Okay. No, I mean, I like read... all of them love like all of them. Oh, I haven't read, I haven't read all of the mortal instruments. Have I surpassed you? Yeah. That being said, I also read it when it was written for me. I read it as it was coming out. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I've surpassed you. It's not like a... Ooh, yay. <laughs> my enjoyment has surpassed yours. I look back at it very fondly as like one of my favorite series of, I don't know, freshman year, Aaron. I have no idea when I read these books. Yeah, that's fair. I can't say the same. I should probably stop, but we all know I can't not finish things I start. That's true. Um, yeah, I also think that this is definitely the first book I've read that centered Native American culture so heavily. This is my second Stephen Graham Jones book. Um, Which other one of his did you read? It was actually a novella, The Night of the Mannequins. How Uh, was it? Weird as well. I don't think there was any Native American representation in it, but it was very interesting because I noticed there is like a a thing that Stephen Graham Jones does of like the main character like convinces themselves to do something violent. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a niche and he, did it in both books and I'm like do I need to read his like other couple books out to like see because it's a very interesting niche yeah I agree it like it's so unique like Mm -hmm. but I think that's what what it has going for it so yeah I agree like I didn't love this book but it's also agreed in no way forgettable a hundred percent agreed yeah it was for me it was very slow yes I I had a major issue with the pacing yeah. And I said, like, I dock one to two stars, which is funny because we were talking about with Silence of the Lambs. Like, mm-hmm. not that Silence of the Lambs was slow, but I dock one to two stars for books that are slow. Yeah. Yeah. I And some people, like, that's their jam. That's their bread and butter. And, like, I applaud that's them weird. for it. But I get, I get very... I am reading, currently, the slowest paced book I've ever read in my whole life. What are you reading? The Paul Bearers Club. Oh, I don't think I've heard of that. It's a new release. It's by Paul Tremblay. He wrote The Cabinet at the End of the World. Okay. Oh my God. It's also the, I, I'm super, I really want to DNF it, but it will be my lowest rated book on Goodreads ever. <laughs> or like, it has 3.2 stars. Oh. oh, so you want to get through it. I want to get, I want to be one of the ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's pride now. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I won't be reading that. <laughs> I think it's not bad. It's just so boring and slow that I'm like and one of my like booktubers it's her favorite book of the year which um, one second second favorite uh books in la la the redhead yeah no she I love her booktube personality but some of her tastes and books are really odd 
some of them are correct though like for me it's weird because like I get to see what she's like rating things and some Mm -hmm. of them are like I'm like I fully agree with you and sometimes I'm like what the fuck yeah but yeah this book wasn't had pacing issues but there were some parts of it that were like fast paced and really interesting but it just took some time to get there or like there were some middle parts that I was like okay come on yeah I agree and I I don't know if I 100% agree with how the book was split up based off of which of the four characters or like group of characters we were looking at mm-hmm. and to me I don't know it felt a little choppy to me I didn't love that yeah it could have been a little more seamless like it felt like it was like two or three different books or yes. like yeah yeah because there For was me, no it was alternating it was like yeah one so after it was another. and it was three parts and like the first and the second part were fine but because the second and the third part are the biggest chunks of the book that was the choppiness that I have an issue with between parts two and three yeah I think I, what was your favorite part? Two. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. That was definitely where a bunch of like the creepiness, the eeriness, the atmosphere, like I didn't know what the heck was going on, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that was just when things were like, Ooh, this you're doing some crazy things. Oh, also disclaimer, gruesome. There's some animal abuse. If that's not your jam, don't read this book. Yes. Correct. I had to, not the animal abuse, but there was like a different part. That was pretty gory for me. And so I had to skip, skip by it a little bit. I had to switch from the audiobook to the, or like jump forward, like 30 seconds in the audiobook to like get through. I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, he's not afraid to put the picture on the page. Um, which reminds me, I think this book would be a great movie. Three. Like, I think. I don't know if I want to see some of the animal gore. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think they could do it. I, you know, off scene, off page, off how do you do that in a movie? We'll fade to black, maybe. Oh, like don't yeah. actually show the gore, but show the expressions of the people that are experiencing the gore. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because I feel like that's the important part or like that's what the listener, watcher, reader, you know, that's what moves the story forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, So did you think like one of the hardest parts for me to get through was... <laughs> One of the like basketball scenes where it just kept going. What did you think? Did you like that the basketball was... added part? Or I think at one point it got to be a little much. Um, it felt a little ridiculous. Okay. It felt a little ridiculous. It was like it felt like it was supposed to be a serious scene, but the what was happening felt light. Or like the tone, it was because normally I'm used to like, and so there's gonna be a disconnect between the actions and the tone. Usually the actions are serious but the tone is light but like I feel like this time it had like an inverse of that and it was just a really odd like what they were doing was kind of silly but like the undercurrent of it was very serious that's what Steven does he just makes things a little weird (laughs) and unexpected and quirky (laughs) yeah yeah and I I really appreciate that it really mixed up my reading yeah this book I definitely would say like yeah I will never forget it Mm -hmm. and not in like a bad way either like I yeah like I'll happily never forget it in like a good way whereas like a little life I'd love to forget that book (laughs) yeah that's fair but I can't (laughs) yeah what are your oh I guess I can do my overall thoughts first because you did yours for Mm -hmm. the other one so we just um I give it three out of five stars I basically docked two stars for the slow pacing (laughs) I think I agree with you dead on yeah, because there's nothing else I can honestly say that rubbed me the wrong way. It was just that it was slow, a little choppy, that that was it. Maybe, yeah. I don't know if you had a couple other things that you... I honestly, no. I have one thing that's like, it's slow, but this. And yeah. somehow, like, that was my only complaint. And somehow I still laid it on a three. Um, it's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pacing is, I think it's very hard to do right. Um. part of me wants to, I don't know, feels a smidge low, but I agree. I mean, like, I feel like there's some people out there, like if, if our only issue is pacing, like what is everybody else thinking? I I didn't read a ton of reviews on it, so I don't know. Um, I didn't either actually. Or like, if I did, I feel like they're mostly high reviews. Yeah. I I bet some people DNF'd. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. I think some people DNF'd and then rated it low. Which is, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. He said the weirdness, I think, is going to run, rub some people the wrong way, but. Mm, yeah. 
so another thing that was really cool was that Stephen Graham Jones included an author's note that uh, talked about kind of his inspiration for the book and like all the people he was thinking. And if you guys don't know, he is an indigenous person. And yeah, I think it just further exemplifies that it's great to have somebody who's actually from that group of people writing a book about indigenous people. And he did a great job. Yeah, I'm really happy that this book is as popular as it is from a person of color writing about their own group of people. You know, I feel like we don't get enough own voices novels being like put into mainstream uh, rotations. So this is this is really great. I agree. And it probably also I wonder if it was something that he was, I don't know, like not like scared to do, but like, I don't know, it's like putting yourself out there a bit. Because a lot of his, like, when he said in, in, like, the author's note, like, a lot of his, like, identity and culture is, like, put into this book. Oh, really? I wish I'd read the um the author's note. I don't, is that the front or the back? The back. Okay. Yeah. That was really great. I feel like I've been reading books by too many white authors this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right? He <laughs> is a member of the Blackfeet tribe of Montana. Oh. Just, I just Wikipedia'd him. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. I wonder if, so... Is it black feet and like singular is black foot? Like, I'm wondering. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah. I like, um, I was writing up my notes for today and I didn't have time to like, I came across like both and I didn't have time to like examine the sentence structure to figure out exactly like how to, how to use black feet and black foot. Yeah. So I'm not so, sure. Guys, if we, if we are saying the their tribe incorrectly, I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, like we say, we are barely literate. So it's probably a grammar issue on our part. <laughs> Yes, we will uh, look it up and hopefully get it right in the future. Yeah, to like sum things up a bit, I do think, I don't know, I think in my humble opinion, I think the only good Indians is much more different and unique than Silence of the Lambs. And so I'd, I am more inclined to recommend that book than Silence of the Lambs. I don't know how you feel. I know you really like Silence of the Lambs. I do, I do, but it is a very classic novel um these books are so different that I feel like it's it I yeah like yeah we read them both for spooky season but I think it's really depending on what people want like the core fundamental like differences between them like yeah pretty big it's like do you want a spooky serial killer that's really creepy or do you want like a really unexpected book yeah ties in culture and just everything is just like whoa yeah really great atmosphere and yeah it's so interesting because like I rated Silence of the Lambs technically higher but I recommend The Only Good Indians more than I recommend Silence of the Lambs so I I don't, I don't know but <laughs> I think it's all it's all taste you know That's like true. if someone came to me and it's like I want a spooky um unique haunting book I'd be like oh my goodness yes read The Only Good Indians <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, but then I go back to it. I'm like, it was a bit of a grind, so it was a bit of a grind. But it was good. Yeah, I it own. definitely it definitely got me spooked. I'm sufficiently in the October spooky season now. These po- yeah. two books got me into it. I'll have to. I think I have time to read a couple more by the end of the year. Or I'm the sorry, end by of the, the end- year. I mean, yes, by the end of the year. But uh, I'm at the end of October. <laughs> Enjoy your spooky reading, guys. Let us know what spooky books you're reading or don't. You can keep them to yourself. It's fine. Please share. I'm always looking for recommendations on spooky books. I wish it could be fall all the time. Right? I've been ready. I've been craving some spooky books. This is a really exciting episode. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, Love y'all as friends. Love you as lovers. Bye.